Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeStazio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. Today we're starting a new series for Mass Effect Andromeda. So, Joe, this is going to be way more than one episode because this is a super, well, I was going to call it a super long game, but compared to like Final Fantasy VII and things like that, I guess it's not that long. (laughs) But uh, we expect this to be, I don't know. We're not really sure. At least, probably at least five episodes, right? Because basically, what we're going to do here is play through the game a chunk at a time. It's probably going to be somewhere between two and five hours, would be my guess, at a time. And then we're going to get together and we're going to talk about it. And when the game is 15, 20, 25, 35 hours long, that's going to be quite a few episodes. Right. This is, this is an RPG. So, uh there's a story and we're gonna try to follow along as best we can to the main story and so our episodes will be divided up um every i don't know three four it depends how long these these quests are in the game um but uh we'll follow along with those and then depending how much time we have try to fit in as many side quests as we can during that time right and it's important to know that we're going to be playing the game at the same time but not necessarily exactly the same time. Like we're not going to be sitting in the same room playing with TVs next to each other. We're playing at our homes by ourselves, but over the course of a week, we'll play for about the same amount of time. We'll try to coordinate somewhat, you know, we'll probably plan out like how many main missions we want to do and maybe side mission stuff, but we've only played this game a couple of hours so far. So we don't even fully know the structure of, main missions to side quest and stuff like that so we're gonna kind of go with the flow see how it works best every game is a little bit different you know we've we've been discussing games that we've been playing together for a couple of years now so we know that every game is a little bit different and that'll be the same here so that's that's kind of the the plan here and today the plan is we're gonna go over what exactly Mass Effect Andromeda is a little bit of the backstory, a little bit of the idea behind this game, because this is the fourth game in the series, and then talk about why we decided to play this game, why we're playing it now, and then we'll get into uh, a, a brief overview of what we've actually played, and then give our feedback on on what we experienced and what we think might be coming in the future. So. Tell us a little bit about Mass Effect Andromeda. Well, like you said, Mass Effect Andromeda is the fourth game in a series, a sci-fi series that was released back in the 2000s. Yeah, I think the first game came out in 2008. It was a while ago. Wow. Uh, and this, this was on the, the PS3, Xbox 360. Uh, it debuted on 360. I think it came to PlayStation later. Okay. And then PC even later. I believe. Cool. So this is a sci-fi RPG by uh, BioWare, who previously had done things like uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. um, which I never played. Did you play that? I didn't. Interesting. I wonder how hard it would be to go back to that. I own it, and I've considered going back to play it mm-hmm. because everyone says it's amazing. Anyway, so this was like uh, BioWare continuing a sci-fi type game without having the Star Wars license or not wanting to use the Star Wars license. So they've created something entirely new. And it's a pretty big deal, this, uh, this series. Very well loved by fans. Uh, they claimed it was a, a trilogy right from the beginning. 
And so it was a three, uh, three part story mm-hmm. where your saved game, your character would, would be saved and persist throughout the series. Um, and so now years later, we've got Mass Effect Andromeda and it's kind of like a sequel, but not right. It's not. And real quick, we're going to talk only very briefly about the original series, the original trilogy, because some of our audience might not have played it, and you don't have to play it before playing Andromeda. That's okay. So we're not going to talk much about it, because I don't want to give away any spoilers, because I loved the the original Mass Effect trilogy. The first game is one of my favorite games of all time, even though 2 is arguably a lot better. Um, So... We're not going to talk a ton about it, but this game, Andromeda, does take place, well, at least the beginning of it takes place during Mass Effect 2. So it's not really a, like, I, I have a hard time calling this a sequel to right. the original trilogy. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a spinoff. Yeah. It takes place in the same universe. It's a whole new set of characters, but mm-hmm. it still takes place in the universe. Um, it, it has the same alien species, uh, but so... In general, the the Mass Effect original trilogy story, there's a big scary enemy who's going to come and destroy everything. Mm-hmm. And so the premise of this story is, you know, if this doesn't work out and this and the Milky Way galaxy is destroyed, or at least all life that we know is destroyed in the Milky Way galaxy, maybe we should try to spread out and uh, as a backup, kind of get out of here and maybe colonize a new galaxy. Mm-hmm. And so at least humanity that we know of, probably other alien species, uh, are building giant ships and taking a very long journey to the Andromeda galaxy to try to find a new home. Super long. 600-ish years. It's going to take them 600 years or so in cryosleep to make this trip. So in a sense, yes, it does start during the original trilogy, but by the time you really get into the game, the events of that are long over. We have a new set of characters here. So this is actually a good place to, to start in with the series. Um, you really don't have to play the previous game. No. So we should, we should discuss why we chose this game. And I think that's pretty easy. You and I both recently played through the entire trilogy. Well, it took us probably over a year. I think yep. it was like a year and a half. We, yep. we played other games in between them. But we finished Mass Effect 3... And I want to say January of 2017. Yeah, it was just a few months ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we wanted to get it done before Andromeda came out. We both loved the original trilogy and we're really, really excited about Andromeda. And I, I thought for sure I'm going to play this game as soon as it comes out. But it is July and we're starting this game. And this game came out in March. Right. So what happened? Why, why did we wait so long to play this game? Well, the reviews. How were the reviews? The reviews were mixed. Mm. They were very mixed. It sounded like the game had a lot of technical issues. It sounded like the story wasn't quite as great. It sounded like it was just way way more open-worldy and far less narrative-driven than the previous games. A little less, you know, single path through the game. And it, it just sounded like it had a lot of issues. So we figured bad reviews often and and did leads to quick discounts on games. So why pay sixty dollars for <laughs> yeah. a game that might not actually be? We ended up as picking this up for what, maybe twenty, thirty dollars. Um yeah. yeah, there was a lot of backlash. We fully expected this to be 
you know, have stellar reviews based on the franchise's history. Um, and it didn't. And there was so much backlash that BioWare uh, published an apology. Mm-hmm. They published a list of changes that they were planning to make over the coming months to fix a lot of the issues that people were talking about. So as is the case with modern games, not only if you wait just even just a few months, not only do you get uh, a cheaper product and more inexpensive product, you're getting a better product. Yeah, a more complete product because there's lots of patches that, that tend to go out in, in the ensuing weeks after a game is released. And, and they've, they've had some pretty substantial patches to Mass Effect Andromeda. And so the, uh, from that original uh, list of things that they were going to change, uh, most of that stuff's been patched in now. So I'm ready. I'm excited to get started. I, I've been waiting. Um, so let's, let's do it. Yeah. So let's start at the very beginning. Like most role-playing games, you take your character and you create them. And in this case, you get to pick which character you want to be. There's two characters. It's, it's not just picking, you know, do you want your character to be a male or a female? You're picking a male character or a female character. And both characters are in the game and you're just playing one of them. They're brother and sister. They're Sarah and Scott. Ryder. Ryder. Yep. And they're humans, mm-hmm. you know, who are about to embark on this. 600 year voyage to colonize a new galaxy who did you pick well i wanted to make sure that we had uh differing differing viewpoints here during our discussion so i waited for you to pick since you started and i would pick the other person now when i played the original mass effect trilogy you just had one character it was commander shepherd right and you could you could adjust the gender and you could say i want to play as a male shepherd or a female shepherd but it was ultimately the same character right and I played as as female uh, Shepard throughout the original trilogy, and I was expecting to play as uh, as Sarah Ryder this time. But but I threw a monkey wrench into that plan. <laughs> when when I play role playing games, I almost always try to play it as much as I think I would handle the situation. So. I normally play as male characters. It's, so what made you change your mind this time? I don't really know. I don't even have a good reason. <laughs> I just wanted to try something different. Okay. So I went with Sarah this time. Cool. So I, so I went with Scott. And now whenever I start, I tend to not play very many RPGs mm-hmm. because of their length and also because of these character creators. <laughs> now, something like The Witcher 3 or The Witcher series in general doesn't have a character creator. You are playing as a character. Mm. And there's not much you can do to, in terms of customization of, of Geralt's appearance. Um, but here, they provide a default appearance, which matches all of their marketing materials, the cover of the game, that sort of thing. Um, but they let you customize quite a bit. So when I come across a character creator, I'm stuck for or hours <laughs> because... <laughs> Okay, you tell me I can adjust the shape of the eyebrow and what how high it is up on the on the face and and thickness and angle and no, I'm out. So I picked the default appearance really for Scott and said I'm moving on. Oh my gosh, that is so not like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, normally man, we are reversing everything yeah. because I go into these RPGs and I'm like, I'm barely going to see myself. Why am I going to spend a bunch of time customizing what my face looks like when all i'm gonna see is the back of my head or if it's first person <laughs> my hands right you know so i normally don't spend much time and i still didn't spend that much time i may have spent 10 minutes in the character creator and 
a lot of times it's like, I'm never going to be able to make someone who looks like me anyway. And I'm just bad at that. So what I ended up doing this time was they have eight or so like presets that you can pick from and then customize. So I just kind of went through those and picked the one I liked the most and then customized it a little bit. Like I gave her light purple eyeshadow. I thought it looked neat. Interesting. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't really do that much. Like, you know, I know some people who they'll go in and just make the most hideous person they possibly can. And and I don't want to have to look at that for <laughs> 30 hours throughout a game. So I want someone who's at least, you know, nice to look at occasionally. So, you know, I just made some woman who wasn't hideous and and it probably took me less than 10 minutes. Now, so aside from uh, customizing your own character, like you said, the other, the person you do not choose is also in the game. They are your twin sibling. Right. Uh, fraternal twins, obviously, they're not identical. <laughs> Which is interesting because you yourself are, in fact, a twin. Correct. A fraternal twin. And, <laughs> and so you chose the female, mm-hmm. unlike your real life. Right. So you are, are, do you feel like in a sense you're going to be playing as your sister? Ooh, you know, that would be, that would be an interesting way to play this game. But no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm playing as a female version of me, I guess, which is maybe also kind of weird. When I, when I play these games, I, I tend to not play as myself. Mm. I don't think I do very well in these situations. (laughs) So I try to get a feel for, you know, when you don't pick, when you're not choosing dialogue choices, the, the way the character acts and talks, I kind of try to pick up on that and go to where I think it, what feels right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. So default appearance. Um, did you change the appearance of your sibling? Um, I think I did because I think it leaves it as the default who sure. didn't look anything like me mm. because I ended up with like, an asian woman sure and the default dude is not asian Mm -hmm. and i'm like well that doesn't make any sense if we're (laughs) twins so i just looked through the defaults until i found an asian dude and picked him gotcha yeah and then i did no more customizations because i don't care because it's not me gotcha now this game also has an interesting feature that uh not only is your sibling in the game but your father is in this game as well Mm -hmm. as an important character uh at the beginning so um do you have the option for the game to try to figure out, based on your customization of your appearance, what a father to those two kids would look like or those two people would look like. Right. So I assume that you turned that on. I did. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's, a, it's an awesome feature. I guess, the, I guess uh, if you disabled it, it would be like, okay, well, these kids are adopted, perhaps. Well, that's, I didn't think about it from that perspective. Yeah. So, um, so how did it turn out? Did you, get a, did you get a chance to look at Alec, your father, and, and did it look okay? I don't, you know, I honestly don't remember. Does it show you what your dad looks like? Well, he's in the game. Like before the game, though. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I didn't think it did in no, the character creator. During, no, not in the character creator, but during the game and the cutscenes. Yeah, during the game, he, he looked like someone who could pass as my character's father. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So you just went with straight defaults? I went with straight defaults. <laughs> that's so boring. But Actually, you know, they do give you a, another, a couple other customization options. In the original Mass Effect trilogy, you... you they had you pick out your backstory about like where you're from oh, and I the things that you did. That. In this though, I think the only option that there was was the um it was almost like picking a class. 
Right. It was like, uh, are you a biotic or soldier? I don't remember what all the options were. There are quite a few. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what you picked? Uh, I, I don't. I probably should have written that down. Like, I, I hate that decision in games mm -hmm. because I always feel like I'm going to get stuck and end up in, in a character class that I want to play as, mm -hmm. but it's going to make it way harder than I want the game to be. Sure. And so that, that is always a tough one for me. I know I didn't pick strong biotics because in the original trilogy, I didn't use biotics that much. I was mostly just shooting my gun a lot. Mm -hmm. So it was something more down that path. And there, I know there's a class that's like has some hacking abilities and stuff. I think that's the one that I picked since okay. I'm a computer programmer in real life. I also tend to pick computer programmery, hackery type <laughs> characters in these games too. Interesting. So from what I understand of this game, and I could be wrong, we'll find out, is that you are not stuck to a class. So even though you've chosen this class, I believe it maps to the profiles that you unlock later. So if you want, at some point in the future, you will be able to just swap. Yeah, that is what it, seems like it's doing because even the first time that you level up in the game it gives you the option of putting points towards every conceivable skill even the ones that aren't in the class that i picked at the mm -hmm. beginning of the game so really you, you're choosing a class is just it's providing you with your or initial abilities mm -hmm. um so unlike you i actually did choose biotic oh and I, I played the original Mass Effect trilogy just like you did, mostly as just as a shooter. Right. And I didn't use a lot of biotic powers. Um, and I thought, well, I'm already playing this game as a, a different gender than I'm used to. I might as well as see what else I can change. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, it actually would be helpful, I think, to be able to have some of these powers in mm -hmm. battle. So I did choose biotic, which uh, gives you the, the push um, ability right away where you, you hit left bumper in this case, and it shoots out a, a glowy beam of whatever. It's a, it's a guy, and he kind of floats away, hmm. um, leaving him completely vulnerable to your shot. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to try out some biotic stuff and, cool. and take a different approach to, to Mass Effect. Cool. I like that. And, and it's nice that we'll be kind of approaching this from a different direction. Mm -hmm. I do want to do more than just shooting. Yes. But I, I don't think I'm going to be as... I still don't think i'm going to be super biotic or unless i find really awesome biotic abilities and then maybe i will well you know in, in the original trilogy you could control your your teammates your squad mates to a degree and you can mm -hmm. say i want you to use this ability right now for me because you would you would it would pause the action right and it was more of a, uh, a strategic element where you could say uh i want you to use this explosive or i don't know what have right. you and so you kind of could still use that stuff. yeah did you do that much in the original trilogy? Not really. Trilogy? No. Yeah, neither did I. And uh, I know that we've got some control over squad mates in this game, but I do not know if you have that amount of control. Okay, so let's get into the actual game. So the story. Right. So we're going to cover, in this episode, we're going to cover the first two uh, main missions, main quest lines. In the game, if you go in the menu and look at your missions, it'll be under the section called Priority Ops. Right. And we're going to cover the first two uh, which are called Prologue Hyperion and Planet Side. And then after that point, we will cut this episode. We'll just cut this episode because we haven't played beyond that point. And right. that'll be where we uh, pick up later. All right. So get us kicked off with Prologue Hyperion. Okay. So the game starts out with you on the arc, waking up from your 600 year nap, mm -hmm. which 
they they said uh, actually another thing I tend to not do while we're talking about me and things that I do and do not do <laughs> is I tend to not read through a lot of the text that are in RPGs. You can go into uh, the menus and it'll give you your journal of things that you've done, but there's also just tons and tons of text about uh, the game's lore, you know, alien species, locations, history, that sort of thing. Right. And I knew that uh, you would, I had caught up to you to this point that we were playing till but I still wanted to play the game, so I just kept reading <laughs> through everything. And it said that uh, this this uh, this trip feels instantaneous to to these people sleeping. They go into cryo sleep, and to them, it's mere moments later that they're waking up. They don't have this feeling of passage of time. So you wake up, and it's six hundred years later all of a sudden. But it feels like the next morning. But it feels like maybe not even that. Like it's been thirty <laughs> seconds. Oh, jeez. So the ship like crashes into something sort of right so we we see the ship crashing into some weird space stuff i I don't even know how to describe it it's just some weird space debris thing on that's right before the planet you're trying to get to they were calling it some sort of dark energy possibly uh but it wasn't it didn't have the properties of what humanity and, and and whatever civilization understood dark energy or dark matter or whatever to be right but it does cause some problems on the ship yeah the ship seems to be having lots of issues and the gravity goes out oh, there's no artificial gravity for a few moments right and but when everything gets turned back on something's happened to your sibling right you so your sibling i guess i, I almost said scott but in my case no my i'm case, scott but in, right. <laughs> well joe you haven't woken up yet <laughs> <laughs> so your sibling the the person that you didn't choose there's something wrong with them and they don't wake up with you even though they were supposed to. They kind of give you the impression that like maybe this might be kind of serious but the doctors are like, "Oh, don't don't worry too much. Like we're just going to let that person come come to slowly by leaving them in a coma." Mm-hmm. What? In a coma? <laughs> that that seems kind of serious, but they they try to make you think that it's not all that serious. Right. Yes. So there's, it gives you a chance to walk around and get used to the controls, and, and they have you do a little bit of, of work around, around the ship, scanning some things, and, uh, and then you meet up with your father. Right. And the ship's captain. Yes. And your father is the Pathfinder. This is the guy who's going to be in charge or responsible for finding a new home for humanity. Right. And there are, they've mapped out some golden worlds. These are worlds that should support human life or with a little bit of work can support human life. And mm-hmm. so now uh, it's this team's job to go find these planets that they've mapped out and investigate right. and find out, can we live here? But importantly, the, the Pathfinder is not the commander of the ship that you're on. No. The captain of the ship is the captain of the ship. Yes. And right away, you're forced to make a fairly major decision between do you support your father, the Pathfinder, in, you know, should we go and investigate this planet that also looks kind of wrecked now? It looks messed up. It looks super bad. It does not look like paradise. No, it doesn't. They describe it as being a tropical type planet that they were expecting. Right. And it doesn't look that way at all. And the captain of the ship is like, uh, this looks like garbage. We should probably just keep going. And you have to choose right then and there. Are you going to side with the captain 
Are you going to side with your dad, who isn't just your dad, it's the Pathfinder, which makes him your boss, because yes. you're on the team to support yes. the Pathfinder. You are a recon specialist right? on the team. <laughs> your dad is in charge. That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like that should happen. That no, seems probably like there should not. be some conflicts there. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so what do you remember what you chose? Uh, I, I sided with the captain, I believe. I'm, yeah, I think I said, you know, it's ultimately her call. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's her ship. And until we're like actually on planets and stuff, it's her ship. And like we're we're going to the planet regardless, <laughs> you know. So it's not like it's that big of a decision, but it it kind of feels that way. And and other characters do reference it like, "Whoa, you you stood up to your father?" Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of but they kind of lead you in the direction like they want you to stand up to your father. They kind of give you a little bit of backstory in telling you that you you're not super close to your father mm-hmm. before this mission. So maybe this is a good time to talk about the dialogue choices now. So yes. this, since this is the real first uh, use of the dialogue wheel in terms of making uh, emotional, logical, professional, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. choices in, in how you react, this is very different from the original Mass Effect trilogy. Yeah, it is. In the original Mass Effect trilogy, um, you could have neutral reactions you could choose neutral responses to people mm-hmm. um or you could kind of side with them or go against them and if you chose one of those options you would get points right and those points would go towards your paragon score and your renegade score mm-hmm. kind of splitting kind of almost making your decisions feel like i've got to choose to be the good guy or the bad guy right and it had an effect on gameplay because there'd be certain points where certain conversation choices would be locked out unless you had gained enough points in either Paragon or Renegade. And so if you tried to be neutral or wishy-washy or right. if you weren't dedicated to being evil <laughs> or good or an angel, <laughs> then that would hurt you later on because you wouldn't be able to make a good choice or an effective choice later on. Or just to use dialogue to get out of situations right there'd be places times where if you didn't have this conversation choice unlocked it would result in violence gunfire Mm -hmm. maybe somebody getting hurt but by having these these uh choices unlocked you could you could end conflict right very quickly right by sweet talking very little either sweet sweet talking (laughs) or just shutting someone down right in this game we haven't gotten very far yet Nope. But in this version, they've done away with the Paragon Renegade system. Yeah. And instead, you now have uh, four choices. I don't remember all of the choices, but uh, they typically are categorized as emotional. I'm going to respond with something uh, emotional, logical, professional. And casual, I think, was the other one. Maybe in casual. Yeah. And there's, there's, no, there's no accumulation of, of points depending on your response you can very easily and this, if this situation feels like it warrants it you can respond with something emotional or you can if something later on feels like you really should be logical about this you can do that um without feeling like you're you're hurting some future i don't know situation that you'd be in yeah i really like the system i, I mean we obviously don't have a ton of experience in it yet i really like it like you know th- there are situations where you know someone asks you Someone who doesn't feel like a close friend ask mm-hmm. you something that maybe it feels like was a little more personal than they should have asked. And so I, I can just shut them down s- gently mm-hmm. with a casual response right. and kind of joke it off or, or 
oh my gosh, everything is exploding around me. I'm going to go with the emotional response here, even though maybe I should have, you know, well, if I'm not a leader yet, maybe I don't <laughs> need to do the professional response, but I could if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I really like the the freedom that, that opens up for you to play the character that you really want to be. Right, because in the original trilogy, it felt like you really only had two choices to be who you wanted to be. Like, life isn't isn't that binary, right? And like you said, you might treat different people differently. Yeah. And and it would and you'd be penalized in right. a sense if you're trying to maximize that 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 value. You'd be penalized in that yep. way. So this so far it feels good, mm-hmm. but it also feels like it's just not gonna have any effect on anything. Because every response is potentially a legitimate response. It feels like almost like it's gonna be like a telltale game where you change the way that the person responds and thus the way that the character I don't know, acts and behaves, but ultimately it's not going to make another character do anything differently or change the course of the story. It just feels like you're kind of directing uh, emotional responses to people. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder if there is going to be some, something about this that does cause a change in, in what happens throughout the game by, by your responses. I really hope that that's there because that is one of the things that I really liked about the original Mass Effect trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I get I guess we'll just have to wait and yeah, see. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. So, like you said, in any any regardless of your decision, you're going to go down to this planet. It looks messed up. It looks pretty rocky. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing any plants anywhere. Nope. I'm seeing lightning. I'm seeing like planet-wide storms. We're also seeing rocks floating in the air. That's really cool and super weird. Yes. So what's going on there? I mean, I, if we moved to a new home in a new galaxy, I wouldn't mind some floating rocks. That, that'd be pretty cool. Maybe. If they weren't surrounded by lightning everywhere, maybe. Right. Yeah, there's lightning everywhere. And eventually in the distance, well, after we land, we see a mountain with like some giant beam of energy or whatever shooting up out of it. Right. So on your way in, you take a, I don't know, some sort of shuttle. Right. Uh, off the main uh, arc. Your shuttle bus. Yeah. yeah. Like like you take from the hotel to the convention center, <laughs> if it's a, if it's a small crew in there, <laughs> and uh, you're the Pathfinder team, so you got to go investigate. You got to check out this planet. Why is it not the way we expected it to be? Um, what's going on? And so on the way down, we see some alien structures, some signs of advanced civilization. This is not an empty planet, right? There are buildings. There, there are buildings. Um, and on the way down probably lightning something happens and our ship is hit it's damaged it's going to crash and not just ours because there are multiple shuttles there are multiple for the whole team yes and uh well we get ejected from the shuttle (laughs) oops whoops and fall down to the planet and fortunately you're not alone you do fall with one other character well okay so maybe we should talk about our squad mates here so yeah uh in terms of characters um we have us right scott or sarah we have our dad alec and uh, we also have Cora, Cora Harper. Um, she's on the team as well. She is second in command mm-hmm. to Alec Ryder. And she is a human biotic. Humans typically, as I was reading through the lore, humans typically aren't biotic, but through with some injection of, I don't know, some sort of material, I think it's element zero, uh, and some training, especially a lot of training, right. uh, humans can, can develop biotic powers. Um, she seems to be real good with it. Yeah. Um, and so then, and then the other main squad mate is Liam Costa. Yeah, is Liam that how Costa, we're pronouncing yeah. it? And he's he is your he's like he's your he's a typical Boy Scout. 
Like he's an idealist. <laughs> he, but he's he's also fairly level headed. Mm-hmm. He he's a pretty cool guy. I really really like Liam. You don't have a history with these characters. Nope. Uh, you you are really just meeting both of these characters. Um, I know Liam mentions, you know, hey, we didn't get a chance to meet each other back before we left. Um, but Liam seems to want to be, you know, he wants to be friendly, he wants to be buddies. Right. Um, whereas you kind of have more of a distant relationship with Laura. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of going on um, with her right now. It's far more professional with yes, her. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, so anyway, when you land, you have... Uh, well, when you crash land. When you, <laughs> when you, <laughs> when fall, you fall out, out of the, the sky <laughs> and land on the planet. First of all, something interesting happens. Your your helmet is busted, right? And read they've already said that the readings indicate that this is not a breathable atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, there's either little or no oxygen, and so you're like, oh crap! Well, <laughs> this is not a good this is not a good way to start this mission. But I don't know if he's using his Omni tool, which is the holographic tool, whatever that he carries that all these characters carry on their arms. Mm-hmm. Um, they're able to like craft things in the middle of the field. It uses some kind of tool. That by hovering it over his his helmet, like just fixes it up, like creates glass where there isn't anything at all, <laughs> right. covers it up and fixes the helmet right there on the field with no one else needed for help. And it's it's a small crack. It's not like they made a whole new helmet with this thing, right? More but, of the plastic or the glass or whatever whatever type of material that would be, but right. the actual visor part that you see through, yeah, that was cool. It was cool. I want one of those things. That would be kind of awesome. <laughs> you only have to travel 600 years to another galaxy to get one. So you quickly find Liam, right? Yep. I assume. So, I mean, there might be some differences here, right? When we start playing this game. Right. We're We're going to get to choose which squad mates come with us. So our, our stories here might be a little different. Yeah, they could be. It, one, one important thing to mention here, if the listeners here haven't played this yet, which you should have. That's the idea here, guys. If you fall out of a shuttle from, you know, hundreds or thousands of feet up from the surface, you're going to die. <laughs> the reason you don't die is in this game, your suit, your your space suit has jump jets. Jump jets. And the jump jets engage just before you land, basically, yes. just before you crash. So you still hit hard, which is yes. why you crack your, your helmet, but you don't die yes, because you've got these jump jets. It slowed your descent. Yes. Yeah. And that, that really plays into the gameplay which we'll get into a little bit after we we go through this this sort of introduction to the story yeah so uh you're on the planet you got liam with you and you're just uh, you can't there's no contact with the shuttle you can't you can't find anybody so you just start exploring and you come across these alien structures very quickly you come across the actual aliens right and they have a protocol i mean they, they anticipated the possibility of finding alien life on these planets and the protocol is don't shoot unless <laughs> your life is in danger. Basically, try to communicate with them. Try to be buddies. Sure, they you know, could they could help out. Right, you met somebody new on the playground. You don't kick them in the shins. You ask them to play with you. But if that person on the playground looks like these creatures, <laughs> maybe being friends isn't the first thing on your mind. Can you describe? Is it? Can you describe the way that these? This, this is a new alien species that we have not seen yet in the Mass Effect franchise. Right. How would you describe them? They're still humanoid. Like, they still have two legs and two arms. They're bipedal, and a, and a yep. Mm-hmm. Right. But they have, like, greenish skin, but they look, I think they look like they have chunks of rock all over them. But, yeah, they do look but very is, rocky. But it's described as bone, like armor oh, yeah, that's okay. made out of bone yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff. 
but they they don't look all that friendly they they these guys they almost look like engineered soldiers they look ugly they're very ugly they look very to, ugly to our human eyes these are these are not pleasant looking <laughs> creatures compared to the other alien species we've seen so far these guys look really generic to me they, they don't do. have a distinctive look i think a lot of it is their face like you can't really see their eyes very well it's hard to see any emotion in them and maybe that's to lend to the scary factor mm-hmm. um but they look real generic and actually they look to me almost like something ripped directly out of gears of war oh yeah i, I could see that and so they feel a little misplaced but i'm hoping we get to get to see some uh some more of them obviously they're probably going to be the main bad guys i don't know um, sure seems that way it is this the only new alien species we meet hopefully there are some others um but yeah hopefully we get to learn more about them and 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 i don't know get personality out of these bone rock monsters that would be nice. Um, in any case, we see them, and now there was, a, there was a conversation choice here of, should we follow the protocol or should we just start shooting? Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know if it makes a difference. I said follow protocol. I said follow protocol. So we have no idea. But So we try to calmly say, hey, we don't understand you, but hey, we're friendly, and then they start shooting at us. <laughs> right. So we do what any logical person would do and kill all of them. Yes. And they... They weren't just shooting at us. They've killed one of our friends. Yes. They had, they've had somebody hostage. They're not really hostage, but they were, yeah, pointing guns at them and not liking what they saw and then shot them dead. So, right. And then from there, we just, we keep exploring. We're trying to get communication with anybody. We're Mm -hmm. alone right now on this alien planet that does not look very friendly. And I don't know. There's, there's a few things. There's a lot of optional things that you can do. The, the, main, the main quest is, to, is just to get back in touch with your people. And there's a lot of things that you can completely avoid doing. There's, uh, you, you start to hear some radio noise. Mm-hmm. Not voice, but somebody starts making tapping noises into uh, the radio. And uh, you can go save your fellow teammate, whatever, Greer, I believe his name is. Sounds right. And so you can do that, which is cool. You can investigate uh, alien structures, take a look inside of there. Mm-hmm. You can explore a cave. I can't remember if there is anything else. Did you do any of that stuff? Uh, Did you stick straight just to the, because it shows in the upper right or upper left, it has a list of things that, little mini missions that you can do right now. Right. And they all seemed fairly small and quick to do. So I decided to just do most of them. Okay. I did save Greer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find the cave kind of by accident and i did explore some building which really seemed quite inconsequential but there there was one part of that that i did want to talk about okay you, know, you you go you go into this building and it's completely dark and you're like huh we really need to find a way to turn the lights on and so you, you're going around in this building and just flipping buttons on stuff <laughs> and like you, me in a car right and you flip a button on this thing and it and it's a generator and it turns lights on cool Let's keep flipping buttons on things. <laughs> and, and I did that for a couple of things. And then I thought, this might not be a good idea. Sure. Like, we don't know what any of this stuff is. This, this could be really bad. And the very next thing I hit was an alarm. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, crap. I knew, I knew this was going to be bad. We're about to be flooded with a bunch of bad guys. And we weren't. No, not like, until you left. Once you leave that building, uh, there's a, a squad of aliens that come yeah. and start shooting. I wonder if they don't come if you don't flip That's the That's a good question. Alarm. I'm pretty sure I hit the alarm as well. Yeah. I, yeah. You're gonna. When you were in the ship and while you're walking around, are you using the scanner at all? 
Uh, a little bit. It's it's down on the D-pad, I think. I think so, yeah. And it brings up a scanning interface mm-hmm. where you can't shoot. You just move around, and it'll highlight things that are of, of interest and that you can hit the A button and scan them. And it just, all it really says is, cool, you scanned it. Right. Good job. I'm sure it adds a piece of information <laughs> into the into the lore or the, the menu that you can go through and read about things. But I didn't see any after I had, after I had played. There's nothing mm. specific. I think it does give you a little bit of XP. Yeah, the game does encourage you to scan things. I, I don't remember, like, I don't even remember what the benefit was, but I remember feeling like, oh, I probably should scan some things because I think this is going to help me out down the mm-hmm. road. So... As long as it's not too burdensome, I guess I'll scan some of this. Yeah, stuff. I'm not sure yet. I, I keep scanning things, but we'll see. If I'm not seeing any benefit, I'm going to stop scanning things. Right, <laughs> right. Because it's annoying to have to switch into non-combat, basically, mm-hmm. and look around for glowy, shiny things. Yeah, so I did, the other big area where I did scan things is you end up in this cave, and you find what looks like a, a tree and a life form that isn't trying to kill you. Uh, it's been caught in a trap or something like mm-hmm. that. and like it actually looks really nice in there. Yeah. Whereas the rest of the planet is exploding in thunderstorm and flying rocks. Yeah. So and they, I and did they, scan that. They theorized, I think, that this is kind of covered. It's kind of it's not out in the open with the lightning. Mm-hmm. And uh it's yeah, there's there's vegetation, there's life in this small little pocket. Right. And is that what the planet was six hundred yeah. years ago? Right. When we were initially uh scanning and, and searching for planets. Is this what they had discovered? And is this what we expected to find when we got there? Probably. Probably. It's been 600 years. (laughs) Right. And so something has happened and these aliens have come or I don't know. We don't know. No, we don't know. So I I did those side missions. You, it sounds like you did all of those too. I think so. Yeah. It's hard to even call them side missions, but just little optional objectives. So we do all those, but the point is to try to get to your dad and eventually you get to your dad, mm-hmm. and he's freaking awesome. Oh man, he's he's got some abilities. He's got tons of abilities. Now it's actually it's also interesting to note he's N seven. Mm-hmm. He's got an N seven uniform on, and that is the rank. I guess you'd call it a rank. I think it's a rank. I think it's a rank that your character was in the original Mass Effect trilogy. Mm-hmm. Commander Shepard um, wasn't N seven. Yeah, it's like super elite. Uh, military person and again reading through the lore that you start off as like an n0 or n1 and they just keep giving you more and more training and more missions and they start giving you incredibly difficult missions and they're like hey if you survive this mission we'll make you an n7 (laughs) right (laughs) so this is a guy with a lot of military experience and he has this ai unit integrated into him or he's able to make use of that they're calling sam and I don't remember what it stands for. Yeah, it's an acronym of some sort. It seems to be some something sort of artificial, artificial intelligence, intelligence, whatever. Right. And uh, he's always talking with it. I was kind of, I was afraid that this was going to start to get really annoying, having this talking character all the time. Mm-hmm. But so far, we'll see. Um, but yeah, he's shooting things up. He's he's leading, and he's he he. We find this tower. It's got this beam coming out of it, and it seems to be related to this weather that's going on. So his brilliant idea is to storm this place, which is surrounded by these alien, these rock alien guys. And I don't know what, turn it off somehow? (laughs) It's an alien structure. You have no idea how this thing works, but he doesn't care. He's going. Yep. Uh, It feels kind of reckless, but he's got a plan. His plan is 
he notices that there are a lot of these um, lightning rods that seem to be encouraging the lightning to strike in certain areas and not their people. Right. So if by destroying them, all of a sudden the lightning starts attacking all the aliens and giving them a way to quickly get into. So you start storming into the building. Now, I think this is a good, I think this is a good place to talk about some of the gameplay mechanics here. Yeah. So uh, you've got the jump jets. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's during this scene where they say, hey, did you know that you could do the jump jet, shoot yourself up into the air, and then hold one of these buttons, and it kind of slows down time for you to shoot a bunch of people from up in the air, which seemed like an awesome mechanic that I never actually used, <laughs> but I want to. <laughs> um, I love air dashes. I love dashing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love 2D platformers, and, and a lot of those games tend to have these, these gameplay mechanics, so I'm pretty excited about this, even though it's not a platformer. There, there is some jumping, but being able to quickly move around is great. Um, you can't just continuously blast around. You, you push a button, you, you blast in a direction, and then there's a tiny bit of cooldown period. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's indicated anywhere on screen when you can start going again, but you kind of get a feel for how long it takes between blasts um, to get moving. So you can, on ground, you can, you can just blast horizontally, sideways, backwards, what have you. But you can also jump pretty high up in the air. Right. Uh, we're talking like three to four times your height, I think, if mm-hmm. you hold the button all the way up, down for as long as you can. Um, and then you can dash while you're in the air. So you can jump straight up and then dash in any direction. You know, it's really good for getting behind somebody. Right. But yeah, there also is, if you hold down left trigger, then you will hover in the air. It felt like it was slowing down time, but I'm not sure if it is or not. It may just be, be that these aliens are really bad at shooting you right now. <laughs> in the air anyway. But there, it gives you a little bit of time because if you had a mouse, it, it would be fine. If you had a mouse, you could very quickly turn and point at these guys in midair and that's not a problem. But with an analog stick, it's a little bit more difficult. So we can hover in the air and it gives us some time to, to try to aim while we're flying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. I'm excited for that. It, it really messes with my head, though. After just playing the Mass Effect trilogy, uh, the controls are so different. Everything... The contr- and the controls are so different because everything is based around these jump jets. Mm-hmm. You couldn't jump in the previous games. Right. No you didn't have any concept of this jump jet. Uh, movement was very slow. If you wanted to run, you would hold down A to charge forward. But in this game, A is your jump. And so sprinting is now mapped to the left analog stick, pushing it in for toggling run on, which is common for a lot of first-person shooters because right. it lets you change your speed without leaving without removing your thumbs from the sticks mm-hmm. so that's cool it's just it's really hard to get used to because i was just playing three games like what probably 60 plus hours of this one control scheme and it's taking a little bit to get used to yeah it, it hasn't been an issue for me because i also played them on pc with you and i just i didn't want to deal with the headaches of doing the mods to get controller support for the pc game so i just played with mouse and keyboard so it's all completely different, and mm-hmm. I'm not struggling with it. Yeah, but I've gotten used to it now, I think, and so that's pretty cool. It's pretty fun. The other major change in the controls and the gameplay mechanics from the original trilogy is the cover system. Right. So originally the games had a cover system similar to Gears where you have to push a button when you're near a barrier or what have you to duck behind it, and then it locks you in so that as you're moving around, you're stuck to the wall, and you can kind of go around corners and what have you. And then if you want to take some shots, you just hold down your left trigger to aim and you'll pop over and then you can start shooting. This game, probably again due to buttons, like we don't have the buttons to be using for a cover system. We have these jump jets. 
but also just to make it, I don't know, a little bit more fluid, less feeling like you're switching between modes mm-hmm. and just play the game. There's an auto cover system. And so you have to, well, I don't quite know exactly how it activates. And that's, that's one of <laughs> right. the problems with it. Yeah. Is it seems to be when you're, when you're next to uh, a barrier, you know, a uh, waist higher or something like that, you will automatically duck if you're being, if you're in combat mode where you've got your gun out and you're being shot at or there are enemies in the area, in the vicinity, mm-hmm. then you will automatically duck. And then same deal, you can, you can freely move, but as soon as you start walking away from the wall, you automatically get back up. Right. And so it's, it's, it's getting, it's been hard to try to figure out exactly how far away I can get mm-hmm. before I get up and then start getting shot again. And then my instinct is to push a button to go back into cover, but you can't, you have to just move back up. So how do you feel about the cover system? I think I'm going to like it once I get used to it, but figuring out the things that you can use as cover, especially when you're on the surface of a planet and not like in a building Mm -hmm. can be a little challenging at times. So I struggled with it at times throughout this game. Like when you're just fighting the bad guys out in the middle of the alien landscape, it was kind of tricky. Now, when you get to the building and there's rails and boxes and stuff like that, it, I, I didn't really struggle with it all that much, but it, it's, it's really dependent on where the heck I am in the game but what, uh, as to whether or not it works well for me. But I think, I, I think the game doesn't want you using cover that much. I think the game, the game designers want you using those jump jets and, and zooming all over the place. And, Interesting. And, and that's very different from what Mass Effect was before. Like you said, it was very slow paced. It's yeah. going from cover to cover. You know, maybe trying to get your teammates to flank the enemies from different positions and stuff. And you you definitely are still doing that. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, all right, get your buddy over there to flank him and then zoom up into the air with your jets, shoot him in the top of the head, <laughs> you know, maybe chuck a grenade behind where they are. And so I guess we'll see. But I I don't hate it, but it is taking more getting used to than I've had to for pretty much any other cover based game that I've yeah. played. I I first experienced a system like this with the tomb raider reboots starting in 2013 Mm. with tomb raider and then rise of the tomb raider and i really liked the system there and this is almost the same so i'm not sure why i feel differently about this one it could be like you said you're on an alien planet and it is hard to tell like you're ducking behind something like a a rock but the rock is jagged and it's not like a it's not a square and so even though you're you are in cover the aliens can still see you from certain angles mm-hmm. and it was hard and, and, and these rocks were small. It felt like you, you thought you were in cover, but then it was, the game was acting like you weren't. And so mm-hmm. you felt like you were doing something wrong. Right. Um, so I agree. We'll see. It could be cool. Yeah. All right. So next we get into the tower. We fight off a few waves. Of enemies, your, your dad just, he's, he's just like zooming through this whole thing. He's leaving you behind. Yeah. He's telling you don't get bogged down. Like, don't stop and jump behind cover for everything. Just keep blasting through the dudes and run. Yeah. And meanwhile, our your other teammates are like, you can't stop because if you stop, the guys behind us are going to catch up and you're going to die. So you're trying to <laughs> go as quickly as your dad, but he's just flying. And uh, so eventually you do get up there into the middle and he's using his artificial intelligence. He's using Sam to start opening things. I don't know what they're doing. That's They're doing some sci-fi computer speak things. Right. And you just got to protect them. Mm-hmm. Some waves of enemies are coming, and this is a chance for the game to teach you the the directing of your squad mates um, using the D pad left and right, 
you can tell the squad mate to go here, the squad mate to go there. I, I never find that to be very useful in, in games. I feel like they're just not very adept at what they're doing, and I just have to end up taking enemies out anyway. But we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe they've, they're smarter in this game. Hopefully. Eventually your dad opens the door to this tower thing, gets in, there's some other giant computer or some monitor interface or whatever, and he is having his artificial um, AI guy. That's redundant. Artificial AI. <laughs> this is your artificial AI intelligence. Who is going to start translating the language? On the fly. This, this alien language, having never seen it before, mm-hmm. is just going to start translating everything. Well, it is a couple hundred years in the future, and, and it's AI. That's, that's what AIs do, right? AIs are cool. Right. Willing suspension of disbelief. <laughs> so, then what? So, it, the AI is doing its translation stuff, and your dad just puts his hand into the air and like starts... Like he's giving the screen a high five. Yeah. And, like, it it changes the thing, and the, the energy volcano <laughs> that is erupting out of this building stops. Turns off. All the lightning stops. I mean, the planet doesn't just all of a sudden start growing grass everywhere, but... The weather seems to be gone. The weather, the bad weather. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not lightning storms all over the place anymore. You might actually be able to get off this planet now. Yes. And you're now able to communicate back with the Ark. Right. And you say, hey, we need to, we need to pick up over here. Yep. Right. So everything's cool. Like, we're all super happy. Let's walk out onto the balcony because mm. obviously everything is perfectly okay now. No. That's, no. That's not, that's not true. There's an accident. There's a huge explosion in the like energy explosion thing throws both you and your dad off this building right really really high off this building and you crash land because your jump jets don't save you this time i guess <laughs> but with the same end result right which well, is that you're hel- worse but your helmet is all messed up again yeah but we, it's not just a little crack this time <laughs> <laughs> we just went through this and we're like well we just had a quick fix before but that's not happening here no because it's basically the entire visor of your helmet is destroyed and your dad finds you, and he seems to be okay. Well, because he's really good at his job. He's N7. Right, I'm sure he landed on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> he sees his son, in my case, daughter in your case. Right. And he makes the ultimate sacrifice. Right, because you are going to die. You can't breathe, can't breathe. because of this atmosphere. Absolutely. And so he gives you his helmet and says, don't worry, I'm going to transfer something to you. And it's super vague. They don't really, like, they don't want you to exactly know what he's going to do. The the important thing here is that your dad is dying. Your dad is going to die. Yep. And you're not. Yes. Now, I believe he says you're the new Pathfinder. Yeah, I think he does say that. Even if he doesn't, a a few minutes later after some cutscenes, you become the new Pathfinder. Yes. Uh, So, yeah. You wake up. Back on the ship. Mm-hmm. So, hey, you must have gotten out. Good, good job there. There must have been some more shuttles. Right. And they're, you know, it's like you're waking up at a hospital. Like, there's some sort of emergency, and, and they're trying to stabilize you, and something's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're seeing some cutscenes of, like, neurons, like, electrical signals breaking or destroying or, like, recovering neurons or something. And they explain that this is Sam taking over, integrating part of itself with your brain. So much to the extent that they can't safely remove it. They're afraid that if they try to disconnect this, it will kill you. 
Right. And this is because of the transfer that your that your father did right before he died. Yes. Yeah. So so you've now got Sam like you had a neural implant, I believe, before, but it's different now. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're way more integrated with the machine at this point. And so much so that you can communicate with Sam and Sam can communicate with you without anybody else hearing it. It's his private channel. <laughs> it did sound kind of creepy when he said that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's pretty much where it leaves off. You've got your dad's dead. Your, si- your sibling is still not awake. Right. The planet, is n- the planet that you were supposed to check out and possibly set up for human colonization is messed up. Um, you have started a war probably with a new alien species in a new galaxy mm-hmm. and, uh, you now have this, this new responsibility of being the pathfinder and, and part of the pathfinder's job is if these golden worlds don't work out, it's their job to find some, something they've got over 20,000 people asleep on this arc that need a place to live. They can't survive indefinitely on this ship. Right. There's no place for them on the ship. When right. they wake up, there needs to be a place for them. Mm-hmm. so you've got that responsibility but it wasn't supposed to be your job i don't mean just your dad i'm saying this was supposed to go to cora she's second in command right she, she it should have been transferred to her but obviously she wasn't there yeah and she doesn't seem that mad about it though. no maybe she just doesn't actually like responsibility I don't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> maybe she's hiding it maybe this would be a point of conflict in the future could be i i would fully expect that so it, it does end with, uh, hey, we're going to go fly out to the um, Nexus, which is going to be the, this is the hub. This mm-hmm. is the hub for this entire Andromeda mission of finding a place for colonization, not just for humans, but for all of the intelligent species um, from the Milky Way galaxy. And you, you find it, you go there, and something doesn't quite look right with it. They comment that it looks like it hasn't been finished being built. This thing is supposed to be up and running waiting for us right fully staffed fully operational and it doesn't look that way at all all we know at this point is it's not just humans that are coming here it's other races too like you said from from the milky way but we're supposed to go there to meet up for some reason Mm -hmm. I, i don't at this point i don't completely understand why we're like um this is the planet we're supposed to be at and we went there and now we're ditching it to go back to this hub place that we haven't been to yet. What's the what's the plan here? I don't really understand it. Like, but we are, so we go there. And it, like you said, it, it looks like it might not even work. But they do say that there is an automated docking system that does appear to be working. So we dock, and that's essentially where we left off. Yeah, I, I think that I think that it would make sense to go to this place first. It should have gone to the Nexus first. Why would you be out looking for the world? For You should be like trying to establish a base, yeah, a main place to be. And so I think they went to the habitat first because the ship was under, well, not under attack, but it was damaged. Yeah. And they were, I think they were concerned about, we've got 20,000 people. We can't wake them up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's try to find a place that we can at least, you know, if we need to wake them up and get them off the ship. Okay. That makes sense. And now there's no reason to stay at that planet because it's not great. They can't, they can't survive there. Right. right? They can't unload these, these people. They won't live. Right. So, okay, let's go to where we should have been going in the first place, which is the Nexus. And yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, that's where it leaves off. You you have the option to uh, take a tram or a shuttle or, well, it's a tram to the Nexus from your ship. And then 
hopefully we'll figure out, we'll learn what's going on. So that's basically where we're going to leave this. But I want to ask you one more question before we wrap this episode up. With role-playing games, a lot of this, a lot of what makes role-playing games great is the interaction and the relationships that you build with other characters. But for that to be good, you have to care about the other characters that, mm-hmm. that are close to you in the game. We're only two hours into this game, but we've met some of the people that are probably going to be with us for the entire game. Mm-hmm. Do you care about any of these people yet? I feel like we don't have a lot of backstory about a lot of these characters, so it's hard to care about them too much. What helps me care about characters is the voice acting has to be good. And mm-hmm. I think so far we've got some excellent voice acting here. We do. And also, the characters can't be really annoying. And so far, they're not annoying. No, they haven't been. We don't know much about them at all, so it's hard for them to come off as annoying. We haven't had a chance to talk with these people at length one-on-one. So we don't know how who they are. We We don't get to talk to them and, and, and react to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So at this point, there's nobody really annoying. So I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay so far. You're kind of ambivalent. Yeah. 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 I, I think I'm pretty much at the same point. Like if I don't care about characters, I'll eventually just give up on the game. Like that's basically what's killed me trying to play any of the final fantasy games. <laughs> I I'm obviously there was a little bit of an emotional impact when the father character dies but not a ton because i didn't really know him much Mm -hmm. and and even in the game they tell you that you're not super close to him but Mm -hmm. even if you're not super close to a parent you're still going to be pretty upset when they die sure the i think the the character that i feel the most for right now is my twin sure like i want to know that that the twin is going to be okay i want to know that my brother is going to come out of this coma right is this going to be the whole game right or are they going to be able, to, are they going to wake up? Are they going to be able to come on your squad? Right. And go out with you on these missions? Yeah. I, I want my brother there. Are they going to, when they do wake up, are they going to be injured in some way where they're just, they're not, they're not able to go on the missions. Mm-hmm. They're not healthy enough or what have you. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. All right. So any other questions story-wise that you have before we move on to the, to the next part? Nope. Okay. Any, any quick predictions on what you think might be? coming i can't give you predictions because i've already played through this section on xbox oh, during the trial right there was an there was an ea access trial they gave you a few hours to play through um and it also helped with our decision to not play this game right away there were some bugs there were some issues and it really helped solidify that decision mm-hmm. but i have played through the next part okay so i will refrain from saying anything okay so i guess my only real predictions are i think there will be other people there would be super weird and lame if there weren't (laughs) and like we're gonna have to make a plan for going and exploring but i don't think it's gonna be going back to the planet where we just were okay that's that's my guess and i and i would predict that someone is going to be super mad that i'm now the pathfinder (laughs) it might not be cora but i think there'll be some people who are like oh it's just because it's the kids, it's the dad's There's kid. That nepotism. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think there will be some people who are mad about that, and that could factor into to some things. Okay. All right. Well, I think that wraps up uh, episode one of our Mass Effect Andromeda playthrough. Before we get out of here, let's go over our contact information. If you want to shoot us an email, you can do that at storyplayers at thedigitalmediazone.com or just use the contact form over at thedigitalmediazone.com. You can find us on Twitter at VG Story Players. That's video game story players. That's what the VG stands for. Or if you just want to talk with me or Joe 
directly. I'm at Josh Pollard and Joe is at What Color Joe. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash VG Storyplayers. And then, of course, guys, we really need you to subscribe. We've got episodes of Mass Effect Andromeda coming out every week for the next probably nine weeks and lots of other fun games coming your way too. So keep it subscribed, share it with your friends. And then if you could do us a big favor, we would really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes or Apple podcast and leave us a rating and a review. That's going to do it for episode one of our Mass Effect Andromeda series. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Joe D'Astasio. And we'll be back for our second episode in our Mass Effect Andromeda series next week. Adios. Bye.